0: Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you guys are with us today. Whether you're joining us in person or you're joining us online, we're grateful to have you. And, man, happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. Happy Ladies' Day to all the ladies in the room. Uh, our hope was that we would be able to have our, um, our courtyard experience open for you. But because it, we live in Colorado, uh, it's cold today. And on another Mother's Day, it's cold. It's supposed to snow tonight. Did you know that? Praise God. (laughs) People say, I mean, I love this weather in Colorado. I'm like, something's seriously wrong with you right now, if you love this cold on Mother's Day. Uh, But either way, man, we're so grateful uh, for each one of you. And people will ask us, uh, since we started the church, man, why do you call it Ladies' Day? And because Mother's Day can be probably the most polarizing day of the year. For some people, it's a day of celebration, a day of joy, uh, a day of thanksgiving. And for other people, it's a day of pain. It's a day of, of trial and hardship, and uh, we recognize both of those, and we just want every woman to know uh, how grateful we are for them. So, for to those of you who've experienced new life, or you're expecting new life, or you have a close relationship with your kids or your mom, we celebrate with you. To those who have walked through the pain of losing a child or a mother this year, or maybe through the failed adoptions, or your own pregnancies, a broken relationship with a child, a broken relationship with a mother, we see you and we grieve with you. To those who are in the trenches of parenting, step parenting, foster parenting, spiritual parenting, we are better because of your sacrifice and we are grateful. And to those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. And if you're in the stage of life I'm in, we are very jealous of you (laughs) for sure. So guys, do me a huge favor, and like, let's say the Broncos won a Super Bowl. Please, God, let's give it up for our women in the room. Come on. Ladies, thank you. Come on. Ladies, we are so grateful for you, and we pray that you feel honored and seen today, no matter your stage. Uh, of life. Uh, Hey, today we're going to continue a series we started last week that we've called The Best Neighbor Ever. Uh, And I love this series. We do a series like this once a year uh, because one of our core values is intentional neighboring. Uh, You know, Jesus says there's two great commandments, love God with everything that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's a key key commandment. He only gave us two like that. He says one is love God with everything and another is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So it's pretty important for us to be intentional neighborings. I believe it's the only way that the world is going to change around us if, if you and I do well at neighboring. But neighboring can be such a polarizing thing. Uh, last week, uh, Sherry talked about this incredible app called Bless Every Home, uh, and I've heard from so many of you this week that you got the app and you've been praying for your neighbors. Uh, if you didn't get it so far, go ahead and download the Bless Every Every Home app on, on, uh, from your store or whatever, uh, and then you'll put in your address, and from just public records, they'll give you the names of the people around you so you can be praying for your neighbors, even if you don't know them. But neighboring can be super intimidating, Uh, No matter if you're an introvert or extrovert, me and my wife are very different on this topic. Uh, We agree in principle and the value of it, but she's an introvert. Uh, So Sarah is not going to run across the street to meet somebody new. She's going to engage the neighbor when, like, we need eggs or sugar or something like that. Actually, she just sends me to do that thing. Um, And I'm the extreme extrovert. uh, And so I get a little creepy with it. I'm like looking for my neighbors, like, waiting for them to, like, pounce and, like, find out more about their story or whatever. I remember a few years ago. Years ago, uh, it was snowing. It was probably Mother's Day. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and I hadn't met the neighbor across the street yet. And so uh, it was snowing. It, it snowed about eight inches. And so he was going out to his car to, to get ready for work. And so what I do, I ran out in the middle of the snow. to so, hey, buddy, what's your name? He's like, bro, what's wrong with you? Uh, but that's kind of how I am. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. All of us, say all of us. All of us, all of us have fears when it comes to neighboring. Every single one of us has, has some type of fear when it comes to uh, meeting new people and, and neighboring people. For some of us, we fear being rejected. We're scared that we're going to be turned away for some reason. For some of us, we fear looking foolish. What am I going to say? What am I, I going to do? What if this scenario happens? For some of us, we f- uh, fear not having the answers. We think that if they ask us questions we don't have the answers to, then maybe we'll look, you know, dumb or something like that. For some of us, we think, man, it's just too late. It's just too late. I've, I've lived next to this person for 10 years, and I don't know their name yet. Uh, I can't go meet them now. This just I'm kind of too late in the game. But no matter what your fear is, I would say all of us have a similar fear in this, that we have a fear of discomfort or awkwardness. We have a fear that, that this, this, this engagement, this relationship, this conversation, it's going to be uncomfortable or it's going to be awkward at some point. Now, I think the older you get, the greater that fear becomes uh, because you don't see this fear a lot of times with kids. Uh, like my, my kids, my daughter, she has no fear of discomfort or awkwardness. Uh, when she meets somebody, within moments, she's going to get that conversation to Jesus. She's going to get them to, do you believe in God or something like that. Uh, just the other day, we met uh, a new kid, and as I'm, as I'm going away from them, I hear him say, do I believe in God? I was like, oh, there she goes again. You know, like, <laughs> there is no fear of awkwardness to her and to so many kids, and yet the older we get, the greater this fear becomes. However, no matter what your fear is, our fears pale in comparison to the fears of those in the early church and their their call to neighbor as well. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 with me. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It's going to be on the screen. Uh, or you can download the Bible app. Uh, it's a great resource uh, to be able to, uh, to read scripture. Let me set it up for you. First Peter is written by a guy named Peter, who's one of the disciples of Jesus. He writes it to Christians everywhere. Uh, they're dispersed all throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, they're living kind of in all the towns, all the cities. And at this point, up until this point, uh, the Christians are now being persecuted because of their faith. They're being persecuted, they're being arrested and killed by the Romans uh, because they don't believe in emperor worship, which was mandated by the Romans. Uh, They believe in worship of Jesus. And so because they're worshiping Jesus, they're being arrested and killed. Uh, They're also being sought after by the the Jewish leaders. Uh, The Jewish leaders are the same ones that killed Jesus. And so now they want to get rid of his followers as well. So there's a lot of persecution happening. I mean, these guys, they're going to jail, and many of them are being killed. They're being thrown in in pits with lions. They're being hoisted up onto poles and lit on fire to be used as light at night. I mean, they're undergoing some of the greatest persecution, very unlike what you and I go through. The persecution you and I go through, it, it might be people talking negatively about us. It might be cancel culture, which is a whole nother conversation, whole nother message. But, like, that's the persecution we go through persecution is a lot different. So can you imagine trying to neighbor in the midst of knowing that if you share your faith, you could be arrested and most probably killed. Imagine that being the scenario. And here's what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13. He says, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Uh, who's going to harm us? Uh, the empire will. The Jewish leaders, what are you talking about? Like the Christians were the ones doing good. At that time, in in this time period, uh, people, as they had babies, if they didn't want them because either the gender or because they had too many or whatever, they would just leave the baby on the side of the street to die. And there was the Christians were the only group of people that would bring them in, that would accept these orphans into their home. It was the Christians that were willing to sell off what they had, although the majority of Christians at that time were in the the lower class. They didn't have a whole lot, but what they had, they were willing to get rid of to care for somebody else. They were doing so much good, and Peter here says, well, who's gonna harm you if you're eager to do good? What Peter's saying is, let's think about ultimate harm, eternal harm, not like who can harm you in this life, who can persecute you right now, but eternally, God's got you. His sovereignty, his protection, his care, He's gonna, you're going to be okay eternally because God has you. He continues on, verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. may not feel like a blessing, but you are. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Last verse, verse 18 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He is put to death in the body, but made alive. In the spirit. So Paul says, Hey, the whole reason you should neighbor and not worry about the persecution, not worry about their arrest and and, and the the possible killing and all of that, the whole reason is because Christ died for you. And because Christ died for you, because you have eternal life because of Him, because of His sacrifice, you have joy, you have peace, you, you have everything that God can give to you through Jesus. You have it at your disposal because of what Christ has done. Because of that, you shouldn't fear. You shouldn't live in fear. You should be willing to neighbor well. Go back to that verse 15. I love this passage. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. The reason for the hope that you have. He says, no matter what persecution you may come up against, no matter what you may be dealing with, always Be prepared. Always be prepared for what? To give an answer. For what? For the hope that you have. Meaning that your life is different. Your life is so radically different than the rest of the world that people are going, yo, what's different about you? Like, why do you have hope when all others don't? Why do you live such a different life? Well, here's the life that I have. I have hope because of Jesus. I'm willing to give an answer now, not worried about the persecution because of the hope that's been given to me, the hope that I'm living out. Now, fast forward to today, and you and I, we're not being killed because of our faith. You and I, very few of us are being persecuted in any way because of our faith, like real persecution. Most of us don't live with a fear that today we're going to go home and authorities are going to show up at our house and arrest us because we came to church today. If you have that fear, something's wrong because that's not going to happen. So we're in a very different situation, and yet, Peter's still saying to us today, live your life in such a way that people ask you for the hope that you have. Be so different than the rest of the people around you that people go, man, I want what you have. Like you don't respond like I normally respond. You don't respond to situations. You don't act out. You, you love people. You're, you're gracious. You're compassionate. All these things in such a way that, man, we don't see in the world around us, give me the reason for the hope that you have. So the question that I have to ask is, how do you get to a place where people ask you for the hope that you have? If you're a follower of Christ, how do you get to a place where people ask you for the hope that you have? Let me give you three things. Number one, you've got to get to know your neighbors. You gotta get to know your neighbors. When I say neighbors, I don't just mean the people that are living in the apartment complex with you or in your neighborhood, across the street, whatever I'm talking about, the people that you engage with on a regular basis. It could be the barista, the coffee shop that you go to. It, it could be the, 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 the a waitress at the restaurant that you love to. It could be your, uh, your coworker, your, the kids in school, whatever it may be, the people that God has placed around you, those are your neighbors. And you've gotta get to know your neighbors. Sadly, the majority of Americans don't know but a few of their neighbors. Statistically speaking, and when you're talking about neighborhoods and, and uh, apartment complexes, most Americans only know one or two neighbors. Now some of you are thinking, oh, Ernest, I, I live out in the sticks. I only have one or two neighbors. Great, then that's easy for you. But for the rest of us, we have a bunch of neighbors around us. We have people we work with. We have people we engage with. Do you know them? Have you gotten a chance to get to know their name? To hear a little bit of their story? So I asked them a little bit about what's going on in their lives. The majority of Americans don't take time to do that. In fact, there was a study done, they called it the Kind Challenge. It was done by three universities uh, that partner with Nextdoor Inc., which is the Nextdoor app. You know, some of you have that, and it's like, my dog is lost again, you know, that app. Um, or people complaining or whatever. Uh, they partnered together and they said, okay, we want to see what the impact on neighboring is in individuals' lives. And here's the, the ultimate conclusion that they came to is this, is that knowing at least six neighbors reduces the likelihood of feeling lonely and is linked to lower depression, lower social anxiety, and financial concerns related to COVID. Now think about that. I mean, they're very specific, not getting to know three neighbors, not getting to know two neighbors, getting to know at least six neighbors. If you know at least six neighbors, then you'll have lower depression, lower social anxiety. I don't know how the financial concerns comes into play, but that sounds amazing. Like you'll have lower these, and then you have a, a less likely feeling of, of being lonely if you know at least six people. But unfortunately, most Americans don't know at least six neighbors. But if you and I, and I would say what, what this study didn't show, what it didn't reveal, it revealed the benefit for me, but the benefit is not just for me, it's for the community as well. Because when I get to know my neighbors and I get to share my faith, I get to share my story with them and, and live out my life in front of them, then hopefully their lives are blessed as well, Not only do I find myself not as lonely, not as depressed, not, social, not as much social anxiety and all of those things that the study showed, but I also find myself impacting the lives of other people. So the first thing we've got to do if we want to get to a place where people ask you for the hope that you have is you've got to get to know your neighbors, get to know your coworkers, get to know the people literally across the street, get to know the baristas, get to know the people God has placed in your life. The second thing we've got to do is you've got to tell your story. Tell your story. Here's the reality. Every person in here has a story. And when I say that, I mean, what the story is, is what God's doing in your life. Like every person in here, God is doing something in your life. You may not even recognize it at this point. You may say something like, man, I'm really lucky or I'm really fortunate to have whatever it is. I would say that's God working in your life. And every person in here, God is working in your life and has worked in your life. And your story is important to somebody else's story. How God has moved in you is important for somebody else to hear that at some other time in their life. About a year ago, one of our neighbors came over and uh, we were already in the midst of COVID. And uh, it was right after kind of the the lockdown and whatnot. And uh, so we hadn't really been around other people a whole lot, like the world in general. Uh, And one of my neighbors came over and he said, uh, hey, man, I'm really struggling with uh, this situation in my life. And my response wasn't, well, let me, let me break out the Bible because this guy is not a believer. He's not a follower in Jesus. He's attended our church once or twice online, and that's it. But he comes from a very different religious background than I do. And so what I said, well, let me tell you a little bit of my story. And so I could relate to what he was going through. I could relate to some of the pain and the, the relational hardships that he was walking through. So I just told him a little bit of my story. And he walked away, and he said this as he walked away. He said, Ernest, I know that no matter what I go through, I can turn to you and I can hear some truth and I can be loved no matter what and that you'll just be a friend. That's a guy that's not a believer. This is a guy that I wouldn't say we're like super close. We don't text all the time or anything like that. What did I do in the story? I just simply shared my story. Hey, this is what I've been dealing with. Here's what I've been going through. Here's what I've gone through. And here's how God's moved in my life. And that's what I'll be doing. I'll be praying for you and yours. So not only do you have to get to know your neighbor, but you have to tell your story. Here's the reality about people here. Here's the beauty about about living in this place. People are very open to spiritual conversations. People are very open to spiritual conversations. Not one time have I walked into a, a conversation with somebody and talked about anything spiritual, and they'd be like, yo, I'm not ready for that. Or, yo, I'm not there yet. And I go, hey, man, I, I, I'm a Buddhist. That's not what I believe. Or, or hey, man, I'm, uh, uh, I'm in this type of religion or this type of church or whatever, and this is kind of where I land. Or, hey, man, I haven't been to church my entire life. Like, I've had all of those conversations, but never has a person said, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want you to share your faith with me. Never had that. People are so open here. It's just a matter of we willing to share our story the story of what God's doing in our lives. So if you wanna be prepared to be, and be at a place where people ask you for the hope that you have, you've gotta to get to know your neighbors, you gotta tell your story, and lastly, you've gotta live out your hope. You've gotta live it out. You know, some people, they, they have this, this battle between what is more important. Is it words or is it actions? And some people say, well, words are more important than actions, and some people say, well, actions are more important than words. I would say they're equally as important. Right, Because you can say something, but if your life doesn't match it, no one's going to listen. And you can live a certain way, but if you don't tell people why you live a certain way, nobody knows. So they're equally as important. You've got to say your story. You've got to be willing to share what God has done in you, but you also must be able to live out your hope. I, I love these passages right before what we just read uh, about neighboring and all of that. Here's what Peter says. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. I'm going to be real honest. I don't like these two passages. If I I could cut out scripture, I'd cut out these two verses for sure. I'm I'm, going to read it again and here's what I want you to do. By the way, I'm not cutting out scripture, just so you guys are aware. See, like people are like, whoa, what's this doing? No, I'm not. Saying if, you know you've read stuff and you're like, I don't like that. I'm going to read this again. I just want you to consider where you are right now. Consider the relationships that you have. Consider your your uh, your presence uh, around people, your presence on social media, the, the things that you're walking through and all of that. And let's see if, if what Peter's calling us to do lines up with These words. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic. Be sympathetic? That's really hard for me. Because I want to say, like, grow up. Like be mature. Like you're supposed to be a Christian. Or whatever else. Like, I want to judge people and not be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate. And that's challenging for me. And humble. I am the most humble person in the room, for sure. <laughs> Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Here's the deal. I don't know how you grew up, but I didn't grow up with these words. Maybe you grew up in the church, and this is how your parents taught you, but I grew up, when somebody insults you, you get them back. When somebody pays you with evil, you repay them with evil. And Peter says, this isn't the way to live. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. What? What? Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Are you living in such a way that people can see your hope? They can see the hope that you have. That if you're a follower of Christ, that they would go, and there's something different about you. Like the way that you respond to things, the way that you engage the world around us and and the the social aspects of the world and people and the messiness, and there's something different about you. Are you living that hope? I love there's so many people in our church that do this so well, that neighbor so well. And so I I actually asked one couple if they'd be willing to share their story. And I I chose uh, Stephen Marshall because um, uh, they, uh, in my opinion, they um, exude this neighboring idea. And they, not only that, but I think it's, in my opinion, I have two, two smaller kids, 11 and nine, and I think it's way easier for me to neighbor at this, at this time because my kids are just gonna run up and meet new people, and so I'm forced sometimes to meet new people. But in their stage of life, it takes a lot more effort, so I ask them to share a little bit of the stories. So take a look at this.
1: My name is Steve Hendrickson.
0: I'm Marsha Hendrickson.
1: We're, we were excited when we, we moved into this new neighborhood. It was really a challenge to me that, uh, gosh, I can't even, don't think I can tell you four or five names of my neighbors. With Marsh's help, we put together um, a little gift package with our name and phone number on it, and we went around to the neighbors that are right next door and across the street, introduced ourselves, and just let them know that we were really happy to have them as neighbors. And, ever need anything, you know, hopefully could reach out to each other. And there always is a little apprehension when you're meeting someone for the first time.
0: One is not feeling comfortable, feeling neglected, or
1: feeling not a part of the group because of the different age groups. You don't always have the same conversation you have with a 20-year-old as you do with the people our age.
0: So there's something that's hard to talk about.
1: Your mind can give you all kinds of scenarios of you know, what if this happens, and what if that happens, and usually none of that ever happens. They're just, people are just kind, and when you say, you know, I'm Steve, I'd just like to say hi, I'm your neighbor, usually it's, it's very fine. The, the anticipation before that is more, is more nerve-wracking than the actual conversation. When you kind of get over the initial nervousness, it's really neat to be able to connect with people and to see how things develop, and eventually you hear their story, and you begin to find out, you know, there's ways that you can support them or help them. So it's, it's really been, been a good experience. A little awkward in the beginning, but uh, really rewarding after you develop some relationships. The bottom line of neighboring is to, to love one another. Love God, love your neighbor. And I'm really thankful that we have the privilege of starting here in this new neighborhood, uh, reaching out and loving people uh, just because God loves them.
0: How many of you want Steve and Marcia to be your neighbors? <laughs> I love what Steve said there. At the beginning it's a little awkward but then it becomes so rewarding. And it's so true. It's not just rewarding for us personally because of that, that whole study that I just mentioned but it's rewarding for the people around you as well. And So what if we were a group of individuals that neighbored well. Some of you guys, as I just mentioned, and you do this so well. Like you already love the people around you so well. For some of us, it's a lot more challenging, it's a lot harder. But what if today we just took a step? Maybe that step for some of us is to just get to know our neighbor. Maybe it's literally to go across the street or to find the person when they're walking by our apartment to just say, hey, what's your name? Embrace the awkward, knowing that it's so rewarding. Maybe for some of us, it's to be praying, God, give me an opportunity to share my story. Like you've, you've given me a story, you've done things in my life, and, and I, I, don't know, I don't know how to teach all of this, but I can surely share my story. Maybe you just pray that prayer today. Maybe for some of you, it's going, okay, is my life being lived in such a way that people would go, man, I want what they have I want to live out the hope that they're displaying to the rest of the world around us. What's your step? Let me close with this. It's a quote from Martin Luther, who's an incredible theologian. He says this, the two chief things are faith and love. Faith receives the good. Love gives the good. Faith offers us God as our own. Love gives us to our neighbor as his own. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I thank you so much. God, just so much uh, for this this topic of neighboring, that God, how central it is to the gospel, how central it is to what you've chosen to do in our world and in our lives. Father, you say first, love me with everything that you have, and then like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And I know for some of us, God, the whole starting point of this conversation is loving you first. And so God, to be real honest, I know that there, just like last service, so many would say, you know what, I've come into this place, and just to be real honest, man, I feel far from God. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God, and you're not even sure what that, what that means or what that looks like, or maybe you, you had a long time ago, or maybe even a year ago, but the result of just life has, has caused you to kind of pull back, maybe to pull away. And yet the whole start of this conversation is that God loved you enough to send his only son, Jesus, to die for our sins. Because our sins separated us from him, caused this rift. And yet Jesus has made a way for us to come back to him. And so if that's you, with every head bowed, and eyes closed, if you'd say, you know what, Ernest, today, man, I'm ready to come home. I want to give my life to Jesus or recommit my life to Jesus. And you may go, man, I still have some doubts, and that's okay. Or I still have some questions, and that's okay. God's not saying clean yourself up first or be made right first. He's saying I died for you to make you right. So that's you. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you'd say today, man, I I want to accept Christ or recommit my life to Christ, I want to come home Ernest. I just want you to raise a hand. I know who I'm praying for. Amen. Father, thank you so much for each one of these individuals, and I thank you, God, that you know their story. If you're watching online, I encourage you to just text the word FOLLOW to the number on the screen. I just want you to know that God sees you. God loves you enough to die for us. And it's that hope that we have the privilege of sharing with others. So God, for all of us, I pray you would tell us what our next steps are. Maybe for some of us, it's getting to know our neighbors. For others of us, God, it's, it's uh, being willing and praying to, to share our story. For others of us, God, it's taking maybe that next step of, of asking, man, how is my life different from those around us? How am I displaying the hope that I have internally? Father, tell us what we're to do next. For Father, I firmly believe that this topic is what will change our world. That God, us loving you well and representing you well, being intentional neighbors, God, can change our world. So God, I pray it wouldn't just be, oh, that that was good, and man, we need to do more of that, but it would be like, no, this is the way forward. This is what we have to do. God, use us to be the hope around us. It's in Jesus' name.